0: Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. For amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, go to rockauto.com right now and save. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire at USA Today. And joining me today, I've got a colleague of mine from the Sooners Wire, Bryant Cruz. You can follow him on Twitter at ThatManBryant. Brian, how's it going, man?
1: Going well, going well, sir. I'm excited to uh, join the pod and um, just talk a little Sooners football. Yeah, man, we're just three days actually. So,
0: recording Wednesday night for Thursday's show. Mm-hmm. By the time you wake up Thursday morning, it's going to be two days until game time. A lot of exciting things happening. Unfortunately, we got to start the show off with some disappointing news, a bit of a bummer, as uh, it was reported by John Hoover over at All Sooners at SI that. Theo suffered an injury and could be out for several weeks. Now, Bryant, what does that mean for the wide receiver group initially right, off the ba- right out of the gate?
1: I think it automatically uh, tests the depth. And um, it throws a lot of guys into a situation that I don't think that Lincoln probably uh, wanted early on. Um, it works out that they play uh, Tulane, Western Carolina, which I might add is my alma mater. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of funny in, 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 in itself. But they play they'll play those two teams and that'll allow them to gain some sort of continuity and um, some level of trust, I think, before uh things start to heat up and you get ready to go into uh, big 12 play. So um, obviously we got a game with Nebraska, um, which I think everyone in uh, the Sooners fan base is quite looking forward to uh, for a lot of different reasons, but uh, it definitely is going to highlight um, depth. I I think a guy like Jaden Hazelwood, um, Mike Woods, obviously the transfer from Arkansas is someone um, that's going to benefit a lot from, from Theo East. Um, Got the freshman, Mario Williams, who's had Ray reviews all spring and summer long. So we're going to see. We're going to see. Yes,
0: it's actually nice that they have this depth, right? You know, you look at a team coming out of the 2020 season, you're like, okay, we got a lot of guys returning. And Mm -hmm. then they add Mike Woods. And then Mario Williams is showing that he's ready to, to be a contributor as a true freshman. And so they're in pretty good shape. And, and it's definitely disappointing for Theo Wees, the guy that tied with Marvin Mims for the team lead in receptions in 2020. He looked like he was going to be one of the starters on the outside heading into the 2021 season. And I, I think you're right. I think guy like, you know, we saw it on the depth chart, which we'll talk about in the next segment, but a guy like Mike Woods is going to benefit significantly mm-hmm. from this. I think many people assumed that maybe Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Wees would be the two starters on the outside with Marvin Mims starting in the slot. And I've been I've been a big fan of Mike Woods. I think he brings a lot to the table. And I think we're gonna get a chance to see that early on. Now, in addition, we you know, we talked about Mario Williams, we talked about Mike Woods. I think there's potential that we could even see a guy like Marvin Mims step to the outside a little bit more than we might have otherwise because he's a guy that's a reliable receiver. Spencer Rattler trusts if they need to get somebody on the outside to win some one-on-one matchups, he's a guy that could get thrown out there. What do you think this means maybe for? A guy like, uh, I don't know, Drake Stoops or, you know, somebody else that's deeper on the depth chart.
1: I think in a lot of different ways. It's probably better long term as they uh, move along into the season and we and, you know, Oklahoma does start to play teams um, on a talent level, uh, I guess, closer to theirs. And I think it basically allows for them to see, okay, well, let's try, like you said, a guy like Marvin Mims in a slot. Let's put someone outside. Um, You'll have a guy like Drake Stoops, maybe even Cody Jackson um, from Foster high school, which is the same, obviously the same high school that CD lamb came from. Um, He's, he's very well, you know, he's very well regarded. Um, He could definitely probably see some snaps and I'm sure he probably will at some point over the next couple of weeks, um, assuming Oklahoma isn't in any sort of uh, uh, close games. Come second half, uh, those guys will will definitely see some time, be able to show themselves uh, accordingly, and stuff like that. So I think, in a way, it's it's probably beneficial long term. Um, it's i it's un, you know it's not ideal. Uh, all things considered, you never want to start the season with you know guys that you were explicitly um, counting on, so to speak. Uh, to to be down nicked, but it's better, I guess, long term for for debt purposes, and then for them to not miss out on Theo. We say, you know, come October when you're playing Texas, and um, things are really starting to ramp up, and you know, the pressure of uh, the college football playoff rankings and stuff started getting to the fold and it just everything starts getting heightened as you as you progress on into the schedule. So. It, it, it's beneficial, I think, um, long term and uh, we hope Theo obviously gets well because he's he's a valuable part of this offense. And I think he had a, um, a, a, a significant uptick in production and um, that was that they were counting on. So someone's got to fill that void for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not always the most exciting name to talk about because he's just one of those guys that just gets out there kind of does his job. He's he's just solid. Right. And and you need those kind of guys on your team. I mean, you're, you're not going to, not every player on your team is going to be a superstar, Uh but you got to have reliable players across your depth chart. And Theo Weez is that guy. I think Spencer Rattler will certainly miss him because he's one of those guys that can make a play after the catch. We saw it in several games last year where he'd just catch a like a seven, eight yard curl route, make a guy miss and make it, you know, create a big play after, after the catch. Uh, Talk about a guy like Jalil Farouk. Now, the early part of the season, this is you you almost hate to diminish the early part of the season because you're are playing a solid two-lane team. You are playing a power five Nebraska team, even though they've not been very good. And you you never want to disrespect even if it's an FCS team like Western Carolina. But this is gonna be a really strong evaluation period for some of the younger guys on the roster. In particular, you mentioned Cody Jackson. Now talk about Jalil Farouk. Now, how many, how much does he benefit? From potentially getting some snaps
1: with DOEs being out, I think he benefits as well. Uh, if you recall, uh, his he missed his entire you know senior season, and he didn't play at all uh, his entire senior season of high school, obviously due to COVID. Um, some things just kind of went awry, and they didn't have their season. So he had his junior year, and he didn't play his senior year. And then he came to Oklahoma, and I think part of that. Uh, contributed to the fact that he ended up getting injured, um, had some hamstring issues and things of that nature. And so that kind of set him back, I think, in terms of evaluations and how he looked maybe with the rest of the guys. And so because of that, and you have returners and, you know, guys like Mario Williams who just instantly came on campus and just lit things up, um, it pushed him down a little bit. So this, these first couple of weeks where, I think, you know, a game like Tulane, uh, you know, third, fourth quarter, um, a game like Western Carolina, also third, fourth quarter, he's going to get some snaps and it will definitely benefit um, him, Caleb Williams, for that matter. It's it's all an evaluation for these guys. Um, it's live and it, it's going to, it matters, but for a lot of them, um, like Farouk, you know, it it's a significant time for them to show what they're what they're made of and real game action, not against guys that you've seen for, you know, two, three months in a row. Now um, teams are, you know, I have game plans and so on and so forth. So I think he benefits from it. And I think he also, and this is just purely speculatory. He's, he's one of the guys that I think, was floated out of there as a potential guy that could, you know, bump down to running back because of the fact that he is low on the depth chart um, for wide receiver in a pinch. Obviously if things um, could hit the fan any harder than they already have for Oklahoma's running back room, he was definitely a guy um, that has kind of been floated out as a name. I think Brian Darby as well, another receiver. These are guys that play running back a little bit in high school, um, as well as receiver, so who knows? That might end up being his thing this year if, uh, if the worst possible uh, scenario uh, kind of happens. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot to shake out with the running back group and the wide receiver group as things kind of transpire, and it's going to be a, a, an interesting time to see who steps up in Theo Wiese's absence. You know, Jaden Hazelwood is a guy that many are expecting to have a big season if he can stay healthy. Mike Woods transferring in as well. And they're going to be able to get off to a great start, getting a significant amount of snaps early in games while the game is still in doubt. And coming up next, we got to dig into the depth chart that Oklahoma released ahead of the game with Tulane. We got the first official depth chart. So we'll first talk about the offensive side of the football in the next segment. And then in the third segment, we will talk the defensive side of the football. But first, I got to talk to you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. They've got everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Why spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can go to Rock Auto and save? Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer from the do-it-yourselfer to the professional mechanic. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And coming back here on the Locked On Sooners podcast, I'm still here with Bryant Cruz from the Sooners Wire. And Bryant, first official depth chart released on Wednesday. What was kind of one of your initial observations as you looked at the offensive depth chart for the Oklahoma Sooners?
1: I think I would be, um, I would be, you know, kind of overstating it if I wasn't saying that I was, I wouldn't say I was worried, but my first thing was the offensive line. Uh, you, we don't really know. This isn't like we returned everyone from last year. Um, the offensive line is definitely the part that I am, uh, I guess most worried about not necessarily saying that I think that they're, you know, they're they're going to be horrible or whatever the case may be that is the one group though that um on a year-to-year basis you know things are shuffling and stuff like that and I think that that's just that's the hardest group to expect um continuity and just you know production out of consistently uh when you're shuffling in new guys uh so Obviously, Coach Biedenbaugh is a fine, 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 fine evaluator of talent and a fine you know, teacher, period. So I think he's going to have his group ready. But that is definitely the group that I think going into the season, um, especially in the season opener, that I definitely am going to have my eye on. But, like, OK, all right. So what do we have here? Um, you know, you have guys like Marquise Hayes, who's he's a returner. So I, we know we're going to get from him. Um, he's steady, uh, obviously center. Uh, We lost our beloved Creed Humphrey um, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, So he's being replaced now. And we've got a couple of different uh, options uh, at left tackle. Anton Harrison, um, Eric Swenson, uh, William Morris is also in the mix there. So that's not settled. Um, And anyone who's anyone, you know, that pay attention to football, that left tackle spot is kind of crucial. So these first couple of games matter. Um, I don't think that Lincoln and uh, Beatonball would like to go into Big 12 play um, not knowing who the definitive starter is or rotating guys at left left tackle um, (laughs) for much longer than the next two to three weeks. So uh, it's like a live, you know, the competition from training camp is probably going to go on a little bit longer. But now that you get to evaluate against guys that aren't your own, um, it'll probably be able to uh, identify, okay, this is the guy we're going to roll with. And this is where this guy falls and so on and so forth. So I'm interested in, in, in looking at that offensive line. I think that is the biggest group that I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what we really got here.
0: It's interesting. You think, you know, they're, they're only, they only lost two starters from last year, but it seems like they're turning over much more of their offensive line from last year because Eric Swenson, who was their starting left tackle, Initially, it was the thought that he was going to move to right tackle, but then Tyrese Robinson wins that job over there. So Eric Swenson's back in the mix over at left tackle. Now, Lincoln Riley did say that between Robinson, Swenson, Juania e. Morris, and Anton Harrison, he's got four tackles that they feel really good about. So who knows where this is all going to settle in. But you know, Eric Swenson isn't necessarily going to be a starter. Your only returning starters at this point are Marquise Hayes at left guard and robinson who's moving from right guard to right tackle so then you're you're figuring in your you've got a new right guard in chris murray you're figuring you've got a new center and it's either going to be robert congel or andrew rame and then your left tackle situation is up in the air like you said and so yeah it definitely is a creates a little bit of cause for concern now the oklahoma sooners have done a great job at figuring out how to turn over the position over the years i mean It was just a few years back where they lost four of their five starters (laughs) on the offensive line and they made it work. They figured it out. And so there's there's little doubt that they're going to be able to do it. It's just a matter of us seeing it at this point. Right.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely believe that. And I think you nailed it with um, there. There are a couple of a lot of these guys that are coming back from last year. Um, But when you switch a guy from right guard to right tackle, um, that that's that's a whole different, you know, uh, beast in itself, um, and you you know you had you have a bunch of guys that you you know you feel confident in tack- you know at the tackle spot, but again, I think the nature of where Oklahoma is as a program uh, with you know you have a Heisman winning or potential Heisman winning quarterback, I should say, um, you have aspirations of winning a national title. I would I would think that they would like to get this whole offensive line thing settled um because you need that continuity um there's going to run a time some point in the next month probably that you know the game isn't going to be just you know we'll come out here for the first quarter and just run through someone and you're going to meet some resistance and so you need that continuity and say all right guys let's you know, this is our this is our best five. Let's get out here and, and and let's get let's get things going. You know, we got to build some sort of rhythm, and I think that's the biggest thing that they have to try to establish. We have there's a lot of talent on that on the offensive line. And I'm actually surprised because I'm not worried about Chris Murray. Um, a lot of people spoke highly about him um, transferring from UCLA, and he's a veteran. Um, he's logged a lot of snaps for uh, for UCLA over the time, so him at that right guard is really not too worrying. I think the the one area that outside of that left tackle spot is obviously for me is, is center. Um, Creed, Creed held that place down for, for a, a couple of years, man. And it did an excellent job um, leadership, um, you know, calls at the line of scrimmage, just a whole bunch of things that he did for that for the team as a whole. So replacing that is, is, is the biggest thing. And I don't know if now the onus is now a little bit more on, Spencer to make those checks and, and things like that at the line of scrimmage, um, because you might not necessarily have that vocal leader in the middle who's able to rally guys and be able to do all those things. Who knows? But um, that that's going to be a big, that's going to be a big, uh, a big task that they have got to get sorted out as, as we go forward. Because like I said, again, this isn't, it's not about October or it's not about you know September. It's really more about October, November, and December. Are you going to be playing your best you know, your best football in, in those times. And are you going to have your best five uh, across the front line during that time period? So.
0: And they'll get a big test in their first big 12 matchup with West Virginia when they face mm-hmm. Dante stills, one of the top yep. defensive tackles in the country. So they've got to get that figured out fairly quickly. They're not going to be able to ease into big 12 play at all. Uh, yep. with Dante stills up the middle, because as we know, Spencer Rattler, he likes to hold to the ball a little bit, got to protect him up front. So coming up next, we're going to talk about the, defensive depth chart we get our observations there but first let me talk to you about bet online bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action it's that time of year again and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season get all the updated odds props and contests Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus by using our promo code On. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. This is for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your Vegas, favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. That's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now we get to talk about the defensive depth chart. Oklahoma released their depth chart on Wednesday. And not a a lot of question marks for me on this one, Bryant. What was one of your big observations, your big takeaways when you were kind of perusing the defensive
1: depth chart? For me, it was actually kind of what you just said. It's the fact that there isn't a lot of questions uh, for once I, I couldn't, I could not remember the last time that I watched that I looked at a, a depth chart before a season over for an Oklahoma game. And I didn't have that overwhelming sense of, well, if this goes right and this goes right and this goes right, we'll be fine. I, I, did, I don't have that this year. And it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling. It is a great feeling. I think if I had to pick something though, um, just for the sake of the discussion, I think that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I do not believe uh, one of the safeties, and I, I would probably say um, it's delaren, Terren, uh, DeLaren uh, Turner-Yale. I don't think he's going to be there uh, as the starter bef- by the end of the season. Um, I think Key Lawrence takes his spot, um, not necessarily because maybe he was bad but i just think that key offers them a little bit more and i think that everything that's kind of surfaced over the summer and the spring about how well keys adapted to um the scheme and um largely his just freak you know his freak his freakish athleticism and stuff like that he offers something that no one in that secondary really offers um and I mean he's he's got the height he's got the the length he's got the speed he you know he can he's played DB a little bit so he just offers so many different things that none of the safeties that we have back there um offer and I think it's just really only a matter of time uh before he overtakes um that strong safety spot and uh and I don't think he'll let it go once he gets there I think that uh Turner Yell will will definitely hold it down for a little bit um but I think as the competition ratches up and teams who have seen um Turner Yell over the couple of the last couple of years will be say okay all right we know how to attack this guy um so let's go ahead and do it and I think that's when that switch is going to have to be made if they want to take that defense up to that next level so
0: yeah, I mean, he, he and Pat Fields are veteran presences in the, mm-hmm. the back end of the secondary. And so I think kind of what you're saying is pretty spot on in that those two will definitely start the season as the starters, they'll get into Big 12 play. But as the season goes along and they feel more comfortable with Key Lawrence as they rotate him in, which they, they're going to do, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen. You know, we talked with Tyler McComas last week uh, from fourteen hundred Sports talking and Norman. And he actually thought Key might take over the other safety spot. So it's kind of just interesting that you know at some point Key Lawrence will be a starting safety for this team, one way or the other. And and I kind of and I tend to agree. And I and I I really think it could be also matchup dependent. You yep. know that Key might see more time against maybe Iowa State. You know, a, a team that's got Charlie Kohler loves to throw their big tight ends, loves to throw jump balls in the red zone in, in particular. You're going to want somebody with athleticism at the safety spot that can jump with those guys and has the length to jump with those guys. It could be in a situation against maybe a Texas where you're more concerned about Bijan Robinson, that you mm-hmm. want somebody steady as a tackler like Deller and Turner yell So it, yeah, I think if Alex Grinch is smart, which I, I think a lot of us think he is, he's probably going <laughs> to rotate these guys, yeah. match up, to match up depending on wh- how he feels like these guys match up with the opposing offense. Uh, I think one of the things that stood out to me on this depth chart uh, was just the depth at the interior defensive line. Yes. It's sick right now. Right. Yes. I mean, I just feel like, you know, just a few years back, it was like Neville Gallimore and you're like, who else? Yep. And now you're looking at Jalen Redmond, who two years ago had six and a half sacks. You're looking at Perry on Winfrey, who was huge. Was fourth on the team in, in pressures, according to Pro Football Focus last year. Even though he didn't record a sack, he was just a monster in the middle. Yep. Uh, and then you've got LeRon Stokes, you got Josh Ellison, you got Kevin Gilliam, who's a you know a freshman that everybody just thinks could be a stud on the interior. I, I mean, just that defensive interior is just taking another step forward under Alex Grinch.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I am. I am like so excited to just see the the waves of guys who will come off the field you know Oklahoma's at a point now they are entering that 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 oh oh so sweet territory of almost I guess you know Bama level um and Clemson level uh Oklahoma or not Oklahoma but excuse me Ohio State level of where they just rotate lines of just de- of defensive linemen that you're just like where is the drop off that you and you don't really see it. And I think that they are they're They're inching their way there. Um, obviously, you know, you got guys like Perion Winfrey, who, as we I mean, soon as we are, even covered this. Um, Mel Kuyper has got him as a as a fringe first rounder right now um, in terms of where he has him listed going into the season and his prospect rankings. He was like a third. It was like somewhere in the 30s. So right there on the fringe of being a first rounder um so you've got him you've got Jalen Redman Isaiah Thomas can can slide inside you've got the likes of, Kel- of Kelvin Gilliam um I think a guy like Josh Ellison gives them he's not super flashy but he does he does exactly what he's supposed to heat up he blocks um frees up the linebackers to go do what they need to do it just it just won't end and um that depth is going to play well um obviously attrition is one of those things that you just have to deal with Throughout the course of a football season, and um, the, I guess the, the the dependency on the the linemen in this scheme, um, the speedy scheme, means that these guys are going to play. Um, so you're not a starter, and that's fine. But you you are definitely going to need to play because we want to keep fresh bodies in here and we want you going a hundred and ten percent every snap. So Perry Winfrey is not going to play. You know ninety snaps a game. It's just not that that's not how this whole thing works. So a guy like Josh Ellison and you know you got Jalen Redmond coming to replace him and it just keeps on going down. And LaRon Stokes has played a lot of football for Oklahoma and um, he's on the depth chart. He's not even a starter, but he, he's another guy that you can just kind of cycle on in. So. It's, it's it's a it's a nice, nice, nice uh, problem to have when you have guys that have produced um, and you can tell that they're probably hungry to get their opportunity. So when they come in, they'll give it 110%. And that's all you can really ask for at that point.
0: Well, and that's really what they're looking for because Lincoln Riley yeah. even mentioned it in his press conference yesterday where he's like, I'm, I just want guys to be able to play as hard as they can for 50 snaps. Yep. I believe that my guy playing 50 snaps, playing fresh, playing 100%, is going to be better than their guy playing 80 snaps. Yep, And that's, that's what they're looking for, especially along the defensive line. And we talked about the interior off the edge, Isaiah Thomas, Nick Bonito. I mean, those guys are going to feast because there's not going to be anywhere for the quarterback to step up in 2021 because those interior defensive linemen are going to be right in their pocket.
1: Yeah. So they, they're in defense or it's not defenses, but offenses are going to be in a weird spot. Um, how they attack Oklahoma. And I don't know if they just plan to try to say, you know what, we're going to just turn into a <laughs> a battering ram and we're just going to try to run the ball down the throats. But I I'm struggling to see too many teams specifically in the big 12, obviously um, being able to just, you know, sit back there in a the pocket and, and dissect Oklahoma's, uh, defense. Um, obviously, you have corners on the outside that have logged some snaps. Woody Washington's one of my favorite players on the entire team. I just love the way he goes about it. He's really quiet, but he does his job really well.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, there's not a lot of hoopla about him. But when you take into account that, like you said, Nick Benito, who's, I think, barring anything just catastrophically bad happening, um, I think he's a lock for a first round uh, selection. And he looks the part. And he's performed up to the part as well. Um, Nick is a Nick is going to be a problem for teams. And like you said, it's you can't move up in the pocket when you can't, you know, you, but you, you can't move in the pocket when you have a guy like Perry on Winfrey who's pushing, who's collapsing the pocket in itself. So where do you go at that point in time? And there's not too many mobile quarterbacks in the Big 12 that really are just, you know, escape artists and guys that you absolutely have to say, you know what, we have to spy and we have to account for them once they get out of the pocket. There's not many of those. So it, it, it's going to be a challenge. And I, I think the other, you know, component to this is you can't double. You're, where, where are the doubles going to come from now? Because you, you can't double Nick. You really, you can't afford to double, you know, you're not going to double Isaiah Thomas, but if you don't double, you know, <laughs> Nick Vanito, Isaiah Thomas comes. You've got a guy like Caleb Kelly, you know, who who's also going to be in, in in contention for that edge that that rush spot there as well. Um, Marcus Stripling, I think, was second on the depth chart. As a matter of fact, um, he's there now. And Grich has a you know he he has a a, a little bit of a, a a love of bringing you know pressure from the nickelback position, which is manned by a yes. freshman Billy Billy Bowman. Uh, I think Jeremiah Credell is also going to be in the mix too. So it, it's a lot of stuff coming at you. Um, and in terms of just, I guess the pure athleticism of it all is this isn't, you know, the Oklahoma team from, you know, the last, or I guess the Kyler Murray's Kyler Murray's uh, playoff playoff team that defensively, this just isn't that team. There's a, there's a few guys and most of those guys were younger at that point in time, but It's night and day. It is a night and day affair. Um, So that's crazy enough. We're gonna if we're gonna be honest, I would probably say that I am more secure in what I'm going to what I expect from the defense right now. Going into game one, I am more secure in what I expect from the defense than what I expect from the offense, just because of the uncertainty with the, you know, the, the, the position changes and new guys kind of settling in and new roles on the offensive line. Um, just the sheer amount of talent and, and snaps that the defense has logged together. Uh, I feel a little bit more secure in them. So.
0: They're a really experienced group. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Caleb Kelly as maybe your fourth linebacker off the bench mm-hmm. and, and getting some snaps as a rush linebacker, I mean, that's pretty deep. Uh, you know, Brian Osamoa, David Aguebu, and Deshaun White, you've got three guys that are going to be playing a lot of snaps for the Sooners and playing at a really, really high level. They're just, I mean, we we didn't even talk about one of my favorite guys. You talked about your favorite corner or your guy's Woody Washington. My guy's DJ Graham. And, and that's the guy <laughs> I'm excited to watch this year because it looks like he's going to get a full complement of snaps. You know, it, it took about till midway of the season before they started really rotating him in last year, but with DJ Graham and Woody Washington, you got two guys on the outside that are going to be able to make plays for you and lock stuff down. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And obviously, you know, the, I think we think the offense is going to be great, like it all is every year under Lincoln Riley. Obviously, still some questions along the offensive line, but I think most people are excited to see what this defense does in year three under Alex Grinch. And there's a good there's a lot of really good reasons and a lot of really good players to be excited about, which is yep. really nice to finally see. It's been a long time since Oklahoma's had this many talented players on that defense.
1: Yep. And I I'm 28. So I couldn't the last time I think I felt like, okay, I can wake up on every Saturday morning and know, okay, our defense is gonna show up was the year that we went to the national championship last. And, um, and that defense wasn't even necessarily like, you know, a monster, but the talent, you know, some of the talent at different positions and stuff like that. And the production that they had, it made me feel that way, but I think in, in, in terms of just front to back, what they have to offer this, this defense is, is, is better in that regard. And obviously they've, they've got to prove it. Um, but. I think that I think they're gonna they're gonna be able to do it and they're gonna be able to see some things. And I think if you even look at it as a in terms of a ripple effect, this defense also has the the chance to catapult OU um, on a recruiting level into something that they've never really kind of you know seen. Obviously they have aspirations for a national championship. So now the spotlight is firmly. On Oklahoma, week in and week out, like much more than it has been in years past, because a lot of teams and a lot of you know pundits and stuff like that have looked at the defense, and say, you know that defense, it's it's for real, it's for real, and and a lot of places have you know pegged Oklahoma to go to the college football playoffs and make it to the national championship game, and a lot of their reasoning was because this defense has finally taken a step forward. So if they're able to execute on defense um, with the, with the talent they have this year you're going to be able to see guys like, for example, Gabriel Brown Lodendi, um, you know, a top 15 recruit uh, along the defensive line. I think that'll really speak to those type of guys as they get ready to make this transition into the SEC where you need to consistently recruit at the high level there. So it has has a lot of different um, things that are tied to it and, and, you know, that are pushing them forward and a great, a great performance from this defense this year probably has uh, long-term ramifications for them um, as well. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Cause that's about the only thing that they're missing. You know, they yep. got the, they got the great offense and I mean, Lincoln Riley pretty much gets his pick of the litter at quarterback every, every couple <laughs> years. You know, they, they're constantly recruiting great offensive line. The 2022 offensive line group is just ridiculous. Yep. The Skill position players that they're getting in 2023, absolutely ridiculous. And now we're starting to see the Alex Grinch effect on the recruiting trail for the defensive side of the football. And like you said, they're going to have to continue to turn that over every single year to stay competitive as they move into the sec and that's going to do it for today's episode of the locked on sooners podcast. I want to thank my man Bryant for coming on the show. Appreciate having you on excellent yes. insight. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter at that man Bryant and read his work over at the sooners wire at USA today. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Hey, make sure you check out the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the odyssey app. Make sure you come back for Friday's episode as we get you ready for Tulane, two lane Football's almost here. Boomer, sooner.